What's up, y'all? Take a seat. It's your favorite hour of the week with the Facts Over Acts crew. And for the first time in a long time, we got some good news. We got some actual positive news. And with the way that this world's going this week, Lord knows we need it. Uh, the NBA is looking at resuming. I can't, I can't wait to get into this. They're looking at resuming. And the date that's been proposed is July 31st. Fellas, what we thinking about it? Because there are layers to this, but I just want to think what y'all what y'all think about the actual news that not one, not only could the NBA pick this season back up, but two, we can have sports again as soon as July 31st. Okay, so the, the news that is coming back is, of course, good news to me. We all been missing hoops. This is the time of year where we're, we're in the middle of conference finals, the final season right now. This, this is what we should have been watching. But the way... um. Stuff has been going lately. I, I I I still can't see a realistic scenario in which they're going to be able to pull this off. No, I know they're going to do the right thing because yeah. it's the NBA and it's Adam Silver. He since he's been commissioner, he's done made nothing but the right choice in every situation. But I I can't see a realistic scenario in which they're actually able to pull this off. And once they do pull it off. Are we like how exactly are they going to finish the games? It's not going to be fair to teams that's right on the brink of the playoffs and they don't have a chance to make it. Uh, what are we going to do about health? Because a lot of these players aren't staying in shape. It's, it's it's good news, but at the same time, like what's going on has has um trained me to not necessarily be be hopeful that it's actually going to happen. Right, right. Man. I understand that. Man. I understand that. Chris, what do you think on that? Yeah, my whole take on that, man, is really how is this honor system really going to work, man? Because if all these players are supposed to stay in one location, go play, and then come back to that location, how are they going to know that they're doing that for sure? Because even when it wasn't the coronavirus out there, players were still sneaking out, going to party, going to this, right. going to that, going to casino right. and all that. So what is the honor system going to look like? I know they are going to take it serious now that they know this is a serious thing. But, I mean, it's still some young guys in there that got growing pains. They're going to make mistakes. I mean, and then on top of that, I honestly don't know, y'all, if I can watch a game with nobody in the stands. You know how quiet that game is? It'd be like I'm just watching the L.A. Fitness pickup game, man. It's just going to be so weird, man. I just don't know who that helps. Who does that help? Let me tell you something. If I was if I was watching LeBron throw a lob to A.D. or – you know, Giannis yamming on somebody from the free throw line at Planet Fitness. Sign me up. Sign me up for that <laughs> LA Fitness pickup game. All right. But uh no, nah, this I, I agree that this this thing has me with some real mixed feelings because my initial reaction was so much excitement. I'm beating my chest screaming, let's go, like I done hit the game winner in the finals or something. Because it, it's just we're so starved for anything sports right now, especially the the big four. Like, yes, we still have MMA going on, but that's an extreme gladiator sport that's like, if you don't enjoy fighting, you don't, that's not really your thing. It's not even that. If you don't, you could enjoy fighting and still not really like it. It's just like MMA is just strictly for like, for like people that watch it. Well, I'll let you talk on it, Guyton, because you, I mean, you you know, that's your part, parte over there. So I'll let yeah, you speak I, on I, it. I mean, for, from from that standpoint, the only thing I've ever enjoyed about UFC is like the technical standpoint of it. And and honestly, like from, from what I know, because I did it for a, sh- for a short amount of time, I trained jujitsu longer. Um, I feel out of UFC in recent memory because a lot of the, I feel like they're so starved and there's so much content that they're trying to put out there. They're putting a lot of fighters out there that aren't that technically sound. So honestly, if you aren't watching like a main event, co-main event, it's, it's, I have had no desire to watch a UFC event in the past like two years. So I'm not right. missing like it's it's not filling my sports hunger the same way that like a basketball would. And then exactly. like. It, it seems like their, their their matches are so spaced out versus, like, I could see a great game on a Tuesday night and then see an even better game on a Friday night. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Versus a UFC fight, you would see one good fight here and right now see that another good fight for another two years. You know what I'm saying? So right. I feel like yeah, that, and the, it, the it, joy is not the, there. The MMA guys, it's hard to find your favorites and have your favorites have sustained success. And sustained just positivity you know doing the right thing 
The two most notable names in MMA right now would be who? Conor McGregor, John Bones Jones. Both of them always in trouble. Both of them always with the law. Both of them always. If you look up, if you hear those two names in the headline, you know was arrested for is going to follow it. Um, so yeah, but basketball resuming. I thought initial thoughts super excited, super ready, super ready to go, and then it just became like ah, nah, I can't even, you know, because the reality of it is we may not be past the pandemic yet. But let me not even say may not. The numbers are, are saying not. we're not past. So Won't be there's past that. It. And and as Guyton alluded to earlier, there is so many layers of complication that go into this thing, i.e. what Guyton was talking about with the how many games teams are back and would they jump straight into the playoffs or would they finish out the season? The proposal that is being passed around now is one in which the season is shortened to 70 games. And the problem with that is there are teams like the Blazers right there on the bubble, three and a half games back of the Grizzlies. Now, if they had a full 82 game season, there would be 16 games left to gain four game to gain a a four game advantage, because if y'all are three and a half games apart, like that's just how it has to work. However, if this in this newly proposed 70 game season, that leaves them with just four games. If you're back three and a half games and you have to gain them in four, that means you have to win out as well as your competition has to lose out. And I'm sorry, okay. but I don't see the Blazers going 4-0 and the Grizzlies going 0-4 as like a, a very high probability thing. Well, another thing I, I want to add to that, though, Gibbs, is I also saw them saying they might make it a 22-game play, 22-team playoffs. Which means the worst team that can get in would be the Washington Wizards. Which, I mean, Bradley Bill is severely underrated, but I don't know if I would. Man, at that point, John Wall might be ready to play if we waiting all the way until July. No, he already, yeah, John Wall already said that he not going to play this year. He's going to wait till the next year. He said it wouldn't be be fair to his team that have been playing all year for him to come just play and take all the minutes and stuff like that. It sounds good in theory, but they bring out them playoff checks. They bring out that, <laughs> right. hey, dog, you got a shot I mean, you now. know, he been getting paid for doing nothing for two years, so I'm pretty sure he don't mind. He, he, don't, he not hurting over there. He I not. mean, then on, on top of that, like, if they do resume this and go the full length of the playoffs, are they just being like, hey, go spend a week with your family and next season is starting in, in the No, no, in no. The so what, what, I, what I read the other day is if they do that 22-game playoffs, so the like under so six teams under 16 – those teams would be a condensed playoff format. So they'd be like a best of three series or something like that. Okay. And then once they drop out, the winner of that will make it to the top 16 or whatever. So it will be 16 through 22 really battling. And then 1 through 15 kind of stay, stay the same. And then they said they're going to not start the season until around Christmas. So we have like the preseason, like week before Christmas, and then we have the second week would be the Christmas Day games, which would be I so mean, weird. And then are you doing a regular – are you doing 82 games like – no, they so, definitely have to shorten it. They you would have to because last time they tried they to squeeze to. 82 games in starting at Christmas, everybody not la- not named LeBron James got injured. Oh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I have to watch but, Darius then, Morris start Lakers playoffs games. I'm not. I'm not trying to watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> and there was and there's and here's another part of that. You know the whole. So y'all are proposing why the season should be condensed. I absolutely agree. Player safety is a very important, very pivotal part of the deal. However, like we were just saying, there's two sides to every coin. And the flip side to this coin is the Blazers are three and a half games back. They're three and a half. They were not defensively out of the playoff race. And even beyond that, everybody was finally going to be healthy together for the Blazers this year for the first time in a long time. Right. But boom, Corona hit. We understand nothing. Nobody can do anything about the pandemic. And Damian then just Lillard, the rhythm, the rhythm, man. They all going to be I, out of sync at rhythm, man. It's, exactly. But Damian Lillard said, if this is the case, I'm not coming back. I'm not. If that's the case, the 70-game season is the case, I'm not coming back for, quote-unquote, meaningless games unless we have, quote-unquote, a true shot at making the playoffs. And so what are we thinking about that? Because me personally, I'm going to tell you, I agree with Dane. You're a super max player. You're the $100 million, $140 million, however $100 million, man. Why would you risk 
seriously injuring yourself. And not only the money aspect, you are the heart and soul of that team. Right. That team is objectively better in every way when you're on the court. Why would you risk doing this if they're going to accelerate everything in the season, basically not give you a chance anyway, and then the next season is going to start a little later, but not far enough later that if you tear your ACL in this game, you'll be ready for the next season. Like, it's not starting that far out. You know what I mean? So I, I get where he's going. What do y'all think on it? Uh, just one quick thing. I mean, I, 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 you didn't mess up or nothing, but, I mean, we are facts over acts. Damian Litter's contract is four-year, $196 million. He got extended. $196 million. So Ooh. if I'm making $196 million, I ain't playing if I ain't going to the playoffs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, so basically, he a two hundred million dollar man. I, I sold him a yeah, hundred yeah. million shorts. Yeah, you sold him a hundred million. Come on, I'm, I'm as 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 somebody that's com- as competitive as I am. I would want to play in any scenario, but he he has a point. If the 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 reason that players play are for championships, if I was playing, that's the reason I would be playing in this scenario. It's literally impossible for them to have a chance to even try to win a championship. So if I was him, I would understand not not playing. Not, it's not even the money that he's making, or he that he's the center of that team, or he could get injured. It's just the point that like y'all are asking me to play that game for literally no reason besides like some some ratings that you could fill in. Let, let's touch on this point though. Let's touch on this point. So most players, most 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 of the fans, the coaching staff and the GMs and the owners, they usually get mad because a lot of people fly out and they go to these arenas far away, like they go see LeBron play like 100 miles away or 1000 miles from the, from their home. It's no fans in the arena, so you're not disappointing anybody. To be honest with you, true. Like absolutely. There's no fans in the arena, so why would I go out there? I just got off injury. Damian Lillard was just injured before the break happened, well, before the season got postponed. Right. Why am I gonna get healthy then go back out there and go get re-injured and nobody is watching? They just watching from home. And then, like I said, it's gonna be really hard to focus on a game with no fans because the announcers already don't talk about nothing. I have to mute them a lot. So <laughs> usually, <laughs> usually, usually the cheer from the fans make the game hype because they get loud, they boo. I I don't want to so, disrespect any media members, but if I turn on the game and they got Chris Webber and Reggie Miller on commentary, oh my, we watch oh the game Lord. on mute, bro. Oh my! <laughs> you never hey, know who's gonna catch a stray. You never know who's gonna catch a stray. You never know who. I make a noise. You never know who's gonna catch a stray on facts over acts. Okay, you never know who's gonna catch a stray. It could be it could be Eric Dampier. It could be Chris Webber. It could be Reggie Miller. You never know who's gonna catch that stray. But uh, <laughs> no, nah, exactly all the time, all the time. I agree that uh, I agree that. At the end of the day, I'm extremely competitive. I'm monopoly competitive. You you understand? Like I am horribly like I'll be the person that stays up playing monopoly all night till I bankrupt you. Competitive, and I agree. I'm not not doing it. There's yes, the spirit of competition would drive me to want to play, but the objective common sense of logic of if I were to get seriously injured, this team would have no problem getting rid of me. If I were to not produce at the current level that I'm producing at or close when I'm nearing the end of this contract, they would happily tell me, take a severe pay cut or we're moving in a different direction from you. So I don't really see the point in risking everything to to go out there and, and play. And so, yeah, I think the Dame definitely had a point. And somebody, we're not taking shots from members. Actually, let me not say we because no, I'm no. I'm about to. I'm about to shoot all the shots. I second that. (laughs) Damian Lillard was called spoiled and entitled by former Lions backup quarterback Dan Orlovsky. (laughs) Can you please provide some context on uh, Dan Orlovsky's number one career highlight? Oh, come on now. Any Lions fan will tell you this. The stance. Wow. Wow. That that hurts a little. (laughs) That hurt, but we're going to be all right. Can you blame me? Can you blame me? I mean, no, no. The Lions have done us all dirty for a very long time. But the fifth round pick of the Lions in 2005, career backup, his career highlight was running out the back of the end zone against Jared Allen. He has a combined record of, uh, I believe, about three and 12 or three, three and nine and 12 starts, I want to say. 
Um, but yeah, he he did horribly. He has a 15 to 13 touchdown to interception ratio, 58.2% completion percentage. So yeah, he stunk it up. Like he he really, you know, he he was one of the quarterbacks in the Lions winless season. I'll leave that out there. That'll be the last thing I say about him. Now he works nah. for ESPN. And I I just don't get how you can call a guy who comes from a rough part of Oakland, is under-recruited, ends up at Weber State, goes from under-recruited at Weber State to a top draft pick, a lottery pick, from lottery yeah, pick a to... A lot of shots fired. From lottery <laughs> pick to the face of the franchise, how can you, Mr. I need GPS to not run out the back of the end zone, take shots at him, calling him selfish and entitled? If anything... Would that not be the entitlement of the fans? Would that not be the entitlement of the media and people like you to say, hey, you owe us going out there and playing? You make a hundred nights, you owe us to go out there and keep even when there's literally every piece of logic and evidence says Dame should set this out. Is that not selfish and entitled on your behalf, Mr. Run out the back of the end zone? I think the sense of entitlement comes from the fact that he was able to run out of the back of the end zone and he has a job critiquing other football players. Mm. Mm, and you know what's my crazy? My highlight is, well, let me just say this real quick. My highlight is, Dame is making 196 million. You ain't never seen 196 million, so you shouldn't be speaking on nothing that man does. Nothing <laughs> that man does. Period. You know what's really crazy? The young man competed in 12 games. I'm sorry, no, he competed in 26. He started in 12. Of those, like I said, 2008, the season where they went winless. He was the starter for almost half of those games. How? Where? Why are you finding the gall to sit up here and disrespect a Damian Lillard? A guy that's played through it all. A guy that's played through whatever and not only played. Because just being out there, to me, that ain't enough. Saying, oh, I was on the court after I got hurt. That's not enough. This man has dominated through injuries. Had his team not run up against the buzzsaw that was the 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 Warriors after he hit the game, the series ender to put the Rockets out. Sorry, Chris. Like the, <laughs> people would still be talking about that to this day. So what what's really going on? Well, thank you for bringing that nightmare back in my eyes. I mean, I just I forgot about it like last week finally. But I mean, but yeah, like you said, <laughs> not only that. But he destroyed a whole franchise in Oklahoma City. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's not. I mean, Dan Olasky, Dan Olasky can't. Although he was part of a horrible Lions franchise, he can't take credit for destroying it because you can't destroy what's already awful. So oh, you know, I, I just want to say, Damian Lillard. I don't care what your money is, what your money look like, or what the competitive nature is telling you to do. You like I said, we love Young Dolph. Get paid, Young Redacted. Get paid. All right. So. Speaking of money and contracts, Pat Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP, his contract talks are coming up, and him and the Chiefs, they don't seem too far apart. What do y'all think is going to be the number? Man, are you talking about somebody? Patrick Mahomes has such a promising future. I mean, the dude is young. He was a multi-sport athlete his whole life, which means his body was always in shape when he was growing up. He has right. a good work ethic. He has a good offensive coordinator over there. He has a good front office over there. Well, decent front office. I wouldn't say good, but he has a decent front office over there. He seems to be a hometown guy. He seems to be taking care of the community a little bit, doing things here and there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking he'd be the highest paid quarterback in the league, to be honest with you. And, and I mean, for his promise and future, I don't think that's a bad idea. I think he'd be the highest paid quarterback. So he'll be just over Russ at like thirty six million or thirty seven million. I think. Who's the highest paid right now, Russ or it's Russ? Wilson. It's Russ. Yeah, okay. Russell Wilson. Yeah, what, he, he uh, one hundred and forty, right? Uh, some along those lines. He made thirty five base. I want to say. I, yeah, he made thirty five. If Russ making one hundred and forty, get give Pat whatever he's asking for. Or call it a day. <laughs> if you want five, to be honest, I mean, share, the Chiefs go ahead, bro. I mean, but hey. even, even when he did win the Super Bowl, he still looked great in the playoffs. And now he was young then. Yeah. He still looked great. And so so let's let's talk about who Pat Mahomes is as a player for a second. You name a statistic 
And if you separate it by under age 25, Pat Mahomes is either in the top five or the leader in every major statistical quarterback quarterback category. Exactly. Literally every single one of them, except rushing yards by a quarterback. That that may be one that he's not in the top five in. I don't know whether he is or isn't, but I doubt that he is simply because of how much he how good he is in the pocket. I just don't believe he is, but I may be wrong. I mean, but every other out the pocket. Exactly. But every other every other category, touchdowns, passing yards, completion percentage, completions, all of it. He's he's up there. Like y'all said, it's blank check season. <laughs> if I'm him, I hey listen, I need minority ownership in the Chiefs, please. Throw me throw me about three percent with dividends, <laughs> please. I need it. Cause this he he has broken last time we heard about the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, sixty five toss power trap was the play. That's I mean, that's the last time we heard about the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Ever since then, they've had a lot of good guys. They've had Tony Gonzalez, Christian Okoye, Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, a lot of good guys. None who are absolutely amazing. None who you said to yourself, this guy, you name it, I don't think there's a situation that this guy cannot bring the team to a win from. They were down... What, 14 or 21 to the Texans came back and beat them by 30. This the young man is amazing, and this when I say they normally they say back up the Brinks truck. No, don't back up the Brinks truck. Back his Lambo in the Fort Knox. That's what you <laughs> got to do to pay him because he need all the gold, bought everything. But now everybody's in agreement that they got to pay him whatever he wants. What will this do to Dak's contract talks? What will it do? And this was this was one of the reasons why I always thought the Cowboys need to pay Dak immediately because I realized his contract and Pat Mahomes' contract were the contract talks were going to happen at the same time if the Cowboys let it linger too long. Had the Cowboys paid them the twenty three last year, this wouldn't be an issue. This wouldn't be a problem. But because the Cowboys waited, now they got to deal with. Backing up the Lambo to Fort Knox to, hey, um, that we're not exactly sure that we want to pay you 45 for the four. Listen. So listen, what are we thinking? Listen, 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 If I'm the Cowboys, I look at that. I, I pull both of their resumes up. Both of their resumes mm-hmm. up. I look at my homes and I look at Dax. Then I call Dak into the office and I tell him to look at my homes and look at your home. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, and I say, he accepted this. So why should we pay you this when your resume look like this? Because I just don't see, I don't see why, why Dak thinks that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, and I, I would hate to bash another black man, but I'm sorry, you just haven't shown that you could be a Patrick Mahomes type quarterback. You haven't shown that at all. And I, oh, I wish Dak well. I wish Dak well. I want to see all our brothers to see in the NFL, especially at quarterback position. But I, you, you haven't shown me anything that could put you in the same bracket as Mahomes. Like, I, like, would you even consider Dak a top ten quarterback in the league right now? And Mahomes is top five. I mean, I I would consider him top ten, just barely. But I like, think look, he would I was, be I, I'm high on Dak. Dak won me my fantasy tournament. He was hot as fish grease in the beginning of the season. Then he's cooled down. Then he heated back up. He won me my right. fantasy money. So, I mean, yes, Dak is good, but I mean, Mahomes is another that's another animal. I, I mean, I'm I'm out of us three, I'm not, I'm the least qualified to speak on this, but I don't I think top 10 eh, I think he. I think saying he's definitively, definitively top ten is a stretch. That's what I'm saying. He's borderline top ten, and Mahomes is guaranteed top five. Oh yeah, you cannot. You, there's no way that you can put Pat Mahomes under really three or two, and anybody who takes football serious takes you serious at that point. Like, right. like there, there's no serious way they can do that. But here's my question. I 100% agree, Chris. I would definitely say, hey, Dak, I understand that you just saw Pat Mahomes got paid the entire city of Kansas City. I get it. He's, he got paid half the state as well. I understand. But you ain't him. This ain't that. And that ain't this. However, if you play around with Dak like that, you're going to end up with Andy Dalton as your starter. 
You're going to end up with Andy Dalton as your starter. And, the, you know, the I'm just saying that I, I believe so. I don't think that the red hair rocket can still get it done. I don't think he can. I just, I, I don't, he hasn't shown me anything that would make me believe he would play at the level of Dak. And that offensive line is getting older. And Zeke didn't look great last year. So I don't, I mean, I believe the result would still be them missing the playoffs. I believe in that part of the result. But well, I, I actually think, think Zeke going to come back be better. So it's going it's to lighten the load. Oh, he got to. I think Zeke he just got had, to. his mind was all over the place because he had that crazy season the season before. So he's really out there trying to, I think he was working too hard trying to prove people wrong and prove the doubters and stuff that affected him last season. But right. I still don't, I mean, like I said, you put them both in the room, put, put him in a room and tell him, look at both resumes. And you tell him, listen, man, you just like, um, you see, he got that because it is. When you do this, we give you that. We give you that. I have no problem bagging up. What you say? <laughs> bagging up to Chuck the Fort Knox. I have no problem. That would be very disrespectful. I wouldn't even want to play for them no more. That's what I'm Man. saying. Like, I feel the energy, but it's it's a hard, like, at the end of the day, Dak's still a grown man. You bet you, 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 you asked for a raise your job, put you in the office. Like, look at John resume and then look what you did. I quit, bro. I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know, but I mean, it's just the truth, though, man. Like, you can't expect Patrick Mahomes' money and you're not producing like Patrick Mahomes. Like, absolutely, like, absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. And so when this, when this season comes back in the fall, I've... I feel bad for the Cowboys because but what a pickle. What a dilemma you're in. Because there's no way that you can tell Dak after after whatever Patrick Mahomes touches, Dak gonna want to touch something close. Because Dak not crazy. Dak's agent ain't crazy. They ain't gonna say match it. Match whatever Pat Mahomes. They're not gonna do that. Cause now you're gonna Latrell Sprewell yourself and end up on the streets. But <laughs> I mean, what's, they, what's, I mean, he got a hole in a ace in the hole because you know that Andy Dalton back there. So I mean <laughs> And that's what I'm do. saying. Like it's it's not a it's it's so many it's so many things to this, but whenever football resumes in the fall, I hope the Cowboys have his long term deal done, or else it's gonna be it's gonna be some smoke in the city of Dallas. It's gonna be some smoke. I'm just letting you know. And well, speaking also, of a, oh, go ahead. Uh, one more final point. Uh, the Cowboys paying Dak that much, they really not gonna have money to pay anybody else because it's a lot of contracts up next year in in that mm-hmm. Dallas area. It's a lot of mm-hmm. contracts. So Dak should really not even he shouldn't want all this money because I think Zeke coming off his deal too, isn't he? Or no, nah, Zeke got like, a little yeah. bit left on his deal. Zeke right, got, got a little, little bit left. But it's it's a, that, that old line got to get paid. I know he got a couple people on defense got to get paid. His uh, receivers got to get paid. I mean, I'm just saying like if if he keep asking for all this money, they ain't gonna be able to pay nobody. He ain't gonna have no help. Yeah, Zeke is on a six-year, ninety million. So you're you're very correct. Like he's the highest paid back in the league, and you're very correct. They at the end of the day, it's gonna be Zeke, that five nobodies, and some a bunch of bums at receiver. You know what I mean? Like they're not gonna be able to keep Amari and pay. You know that's not. I know. I know Zeke got the bag, but I mean he also put the numbers up for the bag. I mean Dak did that. That's not a bad quarterback, but I mean. He didn't stand out to me. He seemed like a, a, a above, slightly above average quarterback in the NFL. Hey, listen, if him, if Jerry Jones pull him into that office and he say, Dak, look at this Super Bowl. Look at what Mahomes do. You can't do that, son. I'm just telling you, <laughs> we're going to hear about some, it's going to be some Antonio Brown level smoke in that office. There's going to be some hands thrown. There's going to be some, some words that just require a bunch of redacted, redacted, bleep, 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 strong. It's gonna be a lot of that, so you know, yeah, we we not trying to have that much of a that much tension in, in the air. And speaking of tension, the baseball players, the owners, and the the base the uh, MLB's player association, they already reached an agreement to do one pay cut, and baseball players will go ahead and go on through and have their season start a little later because we are technically in baseball season right now, but obviously mm-hmm. no sports going on. Oh man, I used to love A this few part players of have already yeah. said in baseball, I'm not I'm not playing anymore. Mike Trout has a wife. Mike Trout is five two player, the best, if not the best, you could possibly make once again, another guy, you could possibly make an argument for number two or three, anything outside that. If you tell somebody he's the eighth best player in the league, they're gonna look at you like you're crazy. So Mike Trout You're said, talking about Mr. My, $430 million man, right? Oh, Mike yeah. Trump. Oh, yeah. Let's yes, just add that, that Mike Trout. Just add that. 
Hey, listen, his contract's so big, he could give all of America a stimulus package and not be hurt. Nah, I'm joking. But but seriously, um, there's he has a wife who's expecting a child soon. So he, he spoke on ESPN about, well, you know, if I go to see my wife, do I have to miss two weeks of games after? Or what is the case going to be with that? And there seems to be a lot, a lot, a lot of smoke between the players and owners in Major League Baseball and Whose side are we on here? Who? What we? What we thinking? Now, um, I, I understand. What? Why? Why? I don't understand, but I get owners' perspectives if they feel as if, um, they're trying to hold back on money or trying to agree on another pay cut. But they got billions of dollars. They can. They can. They can front that. But I'm. I'm under the impression that as long as they are unsure, don't. Don't do any sports. I understand the players not want to play. Don't don't resume any sports at all. You got now. If we're talking in terms of basketball, let's say they wanted to bring people back. You looking at arenas, Little Caesars, United Center? That's eighteen thousand people, something like that. Baseball stadiums are almost double that. Right. And even if you didn't want to bring the audience back, you still got uh, nine position players. You got a you got a pitching staff of about 10 15 players depending on what team you're talking about you got eight thousand more coaches than basketball so it's just not a safe scenario and um not to mention camera crew cleaning crew exactly exactly (laughs) mlb just signed a 33 billion dollar tv deal if they wanted to pay those players they can pay them i mean if you're looking at baseball it's it's really an outlier if you look at players uh that's making hundreds of millions of dollars it's maybe two of those on the team on a championship team a guy that just came from triple a that's playing shortstop for half the season not even making a million so they they could honestly afford those contracts if they wanted to Mm -hmm. i I mean my thoughts on the whole thing is if if i'm mike trout i make 430 million dollars if you don't like my decision then buy me out because you offered me this money and i don't feel safe and i don't feel (laughs) safe for my family so buy me out then, since you since you don't want me to take myself first after I signed the contract with you. And mind you, I, I I honestly I personally feel like he's happy, but he's not that happy playing for the Angels. I mean, especially when he got the Ooh. Dodgers down the street. When he got the Dodgers Ooh. down the street, I I don't know Ooh. if I would be that happy. <laughs> but I mean, like, just if you're gonna be mad at my decision I'm making, then buy me out, and then I'll go play for somebody else. Because at that yeah. point. It's just like I gotta put me first at the end of the day, and my family, my wife is having a baby. I gotta think about me. So, the Los Angeles Angels did not see themselves catching a stray. Neither did Reggie Miller or Chris Webber, and here we are. Man, look, here look, we are. I have nothing but the uh, the utmost respect for Reggie Miller. That's my dog. But when it comes to commentary, I'm not a fan of watching any game. Je- I'm gonna throw Jeff Van Gundy in there too, man. When you when I'm watching the game. <laughs> And you start telling stories about like your niece, like that's that's not needed during a basketball game. <laughs> oh, so you just yeah, want to hear? Jeff, Jeff, Jeff goes off on tangents a lot, man, a lot. But I, I, let I me do, tell you, like, when, when he does have the the punctuation and the the expressions that you need sometimes. Like if you go watch what, what, what famous game is he famous for? Let me think. Uh, it was the one of the Miami series back when Brian was there. I'm trying to think of a game. Not game. Uh, I I come back to it, but he has the excitement that you need. That like, uh, for, like he feeds off the fans' energy is what I'm saying. So can I? Like, the fans can I go crazy. He goes crazy on the mic. <laughs> can I hit y'all with a real quick anecdote about Van Gundy and how funny this man is? Yeah. Go so ahead. when the Cavs were in the finals and they were, it was the typical Cavs final. Brown was doing his thing. Everybody else was meh. And um, this wasn't this wasn't I don't believe that this was one of the years in which they had Kyrie and Kevin Love the year where they had Kyrie and Kevin Love healthy. It wasn't that year. Um, so the announcer Tristan Thompson had been playing horribly leading up to this in the playoffs, and many people said it was the Kardashian curse, and it was Chloe uh, Kardashian, the mother, one of the mothers of his children, uh, was the reason why he was playing poorly, and. Van Gundy gets up here and says, you know, I don't think it's right. You'd never see anyone blaming Savannah James. And I think that the fans who are doing that should apologize. <laughs> and all I could think to myself was, 
did I just get told to apologize to a Kardashian in the 2010s? Is that what life is now? Is that what we're doing even during basketball games? Can't live like that. That was much but nah, times. Um, I, back- wish we could, I wish we could <laughs> relive that. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. That was a funny night on Black Twitter. But, you know, if we could if we could just get back to the, the tensions between the players and the owners, for me personally, the the fact that the players have already agreed, we're going to take one pay cut. At this point, okay, bet. I don't see how much more the owners could want out of the deal. You get what I'm saying? Like, they've already agreed, hey, right. we're going to play a shortened season. We'll take a pay cut. But if you're talking about more pay cuts and still playing – you're telling people to take a higher risk for a lesser reward. And that does not jive with reality. That doesn't make sense with how humans operate. Like that just, to me, the owners, like you said, they can foot that bill. And for the ones who shouldn't, oh, well, so sad, too bad. Owning a team is just like any other investment. You're not guaranteed a positive return on any investment in life. So why should this one be different? You see what I'm saying? Like that's just how it works. If you bet on the wrong stock at the wrong moment, you could have looked up everything in the market. Everything could have been perfect for this stock to flourish. But the owner could have been caught in a picture of blackface. Now you lost all your money. You see, like, that's just the that's the reality of life. So I don't really, you know, for me, it's just, it's a lame cop out for them to be like, oh, well, we have to make money too. It's an investment, buddy. It's an investment. There's There's nothing guaranteed in life. No guarantees that your investment makes money. And the owners, to me, are abusing their power. They really are. Um, I mean, and speak- I mean, yeah, they are. But then again, Gibbs, you got to remember that when there's no games being played, they're not making money at all. The players are still getting paid. They're not making any money at all when the games aren't being played because they, you know, they get money off concessions, TV stations, uh, all types of streams of income they get. I mean, so, you, you are correct. That's a lot of money being missed out on, but I'm I'm pretty sure they, they savings account is looking. Oh, I, definitely, definitely. But I Absolutely. mean, just as a money money man that I am, like a, a good guy that just knows finances, it still hurts even though you have all that money and you got to pay regardless. Like, even though you know you like, it's like a stock you just watching just drop. You get what right. I'm saying? And that's, and that's what I'm saying. I don't, I'm, I'm not here to say, oh, Forget all of them. They could all go jump in the left. Like, no, I'm not I'm not going to be ridiculous in that manner and say, oh, there is no... Like, at the end of the day, like I said, this is not... It's an investment. Just like you said, it's a stock. you watching your stock drop. It's sad. It sucks. It's not... I put a little money in the stock market. I put a little money on General Electric because there's like $7 a share. They dropped to five like two days later. Like, that's just, that's just how life works sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, yes, they're doing it on a much larger scale. Absolutely. Their entire livelihoods depends on it. Me, I was depending on buying a, a four for four with that. But it's okay. I'll be all right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I get it. That's a different. But I, I just think that they're, you know, and I'm not, I'm not sure on all the specifics of it. But if we want to talk about folks abusing their power, can we talk about the role of college coaches in today's world. Can we can we talk about it? Because there are certain stories that are, you know, sports in America especially, sports reach so far that there is no part of life that isn't affected by sports and there's nothing that happens on a grand scale in life that doesn't affect sports. So with um all of the with the recent with the recent murders that have happened at the hands of law enforcement officers and the resulting protesting that has been going on, all of which some protesting has been violent. Uh, There has been some looting. There has been things of that sort. But there was uh, there's there's an important thing that I, I need to say about college coaches and their role in this thing. I don't see how any major college coaches who are coaching Anything from mid-major to power five football or basketball, I don't see how they can remain silent in this moment. And we got a clip from Lavelle Moten that we're going to bring in here, and we just want y'all to hear it to set up what we got coming next. Can we get the sound, please, Guy? Um, come across the timelines of coaches. Everyone is silent. 
And I have a major issue with that. And for years, I, I, I've never really said anything. But now I think enough is enough because here's the harsh reality. Um, we have coaches in Power Five, football and basketball coaches. The reality is a lot of these coaches have been able to create generational wealth. I mean, their grandkids' kids are going to be able to live a prosperous life because athletes who were the complexion of George Floyd was able to run a football, throw a football, shoot a basketball, or whatever have you. So they have benefited greatly from athletes that look like George Floyd and many more. But whenever people, the complexion of George Floyd, is killed, assassinated, murdered in the street in broad daylight, they're silent. And I have a problem with that because it seems as if black lives matter to them whenever they can benefit from it. Right. Whenever they're getting them a first down or, you know, catching a, a alley-oop or shooting a three or whatever. But when it's time for the humanity to speak up on behalf of those those student athletes, it's, it's, it's silence. It's cricket. And so my problem is if, if the murdering of black Americans is too risky of an issue for you to stand up as a leader, then... Who are they really playing for? All right. Now, that was Lavelle Moden, head basketball coach at North Carolina Central University. And what do we think about what he just said there? What are we thinking? I mean, everything that he said was was completely spot on. Um, it, it He brings up a valid point that, honestly, I hadn't thought of. And I don't know why I didn't think of it. But especially when we're talking about basketball and football in terms of the NCAA, um, You've had players come out on on record and speak out about how uh, straightforward guys were, how they helped them get their lives on the right path, or how they just looked out for them. Coaches like Coach K, which we haven't heard anything from, Dean Smith, Roy Williams, stuff like that. But in the grand scheme of just like your average college coach, uh, the NCAA is in the is in the game of exploitation. So I'm not really I'm not really surprised to to see that they aren't the most uh pro- progressive organization even if it's a statement just from the NCAA not even an individual coach but it is an organization that's in the it's an organization that's in the business of exploiting mostly black uh young men and women so I'm I'm not surprised that we haven't heard anything from college coaches Fact. All right, my com- my comment on it, man. Okay, I know a full ride scholarship is an amazing thing. If I could go to college on a full ride scholarship and not pay a dollar for anything, I would be extremely happy in life. But come on, man. come on. Some of these players generate millions. I'm talking millions. Like billions. Zion last year, he he probably hit a billion. He probably <laughs> yeah, contributed yeah. contributed a billion dollars. Anytime you got Obama coming to the game sitting courtside. Like you, 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 you're that deal, and for them to go out there and I know you say the NBA players are older and they, um, their bodies are in shape more and stuff like that. But as a college athlete, you're still risking your body. You could, you could, you could have a freakish accident and you might not be able to walk again. And for them to not get paid anything, and I'm not saying you pay them like you pay an NBA player would, but more than a scholarship to me because you have it to spare for one, and for two. You need to be like some of these kids that go to college and play, they don't even have father figures. So they look at their mm-hmm. coach as like a, a male mentor. So at that point, how do you how do you even help them cope with situations like this that we're going through right now? Because I know I have a great dad, but I know a lot of friends of mine don't have a great dad. And sometimes they come to me and ask me like, hey, man, did your dad talk to you about something like this? And those college players might talk to their coach like as a, as a father figure. So... I just feel like these these top ranked schools they need to the coaches need to do a little bit more on that end. They need to show support to their players or either even it mean it could mean a lot to a, a, a college player, student athlete, for their coach to just tweet something out. They'd be like, oh yeah, my coach got my back. You get what I'm saying? So I, I definitely feel them on that, man. I, I, I mean, I think it speaks volumes that we know a lot of players talk and a lot of these recent players have gone to college, a lot of them one, are done, one and done that are top players. But these top players know a lot of these kids that are 
uh, supposed to be playing in college or going into college through AAU, like his entire age groups that are friends through basketball and the AAU circuit. Right. So the right, fact that we've sure. seen so many top recruits say, I'm skipping college and going to the NBA, uh, even though money is involved, I think it also has a lot to do with uh, like culture. Like maybe they just heard things from players that's currently in the NBA or currently in college. It's like, just go get your money, go do that year in the G League, cause this not is not an environment that you want to be in, and I think that might that might attribute to to what we're seeing currently with the with the lack of with the lack of opinions or the lack of voice in in college sports. So let me give y'all a little fun fact about college sports and college athletics, because the players. I don't blame them at all for not because I understand. I've been there. I've been that player that was so frustrated that wanted to say something, but was, um, I don't know how to word this, but was not so subtly informed that, hey, you know, be smart. This represents our brand and different things that are coded language for be quiet. Like, you know, more or less coded language for that. But these coaches in and of themselves, like Coach Moten was talking about, generational wealth, your grandkids, grandkids, grandkids can probably not work again based on what you are making here. Or at least, at least for sure, even if y'all tried to spend all the money but didn't do so in like a Richie Rich or Brewster's Million fashion, you'd have a problem with doing so. At least your through your grandkids have a problem uh, spending all of the money that you're making. And you mentioned Coach K earlier. Coach K works at a private institution, so he's not going to be on this list of guys that I read off coming up. However, in most states, the highest paid public official is a college basketball or football coach. I'm going to mention three states in which there have recently been unarmed black people murdered. And I'm going to re- tell you who the highest paid Elect, uh, who the highest paid public official is. In Minnesota, it is football coach P.J. Fleck at $3.5 million a year. In Indiana, I'm sorry, this, this is from 2017, so there may be new coaches in place, but this was accurate in 2017. In Indiana, you had Archie Miller at $3.2 million a year. In Kentucky, with John Calipari, you have $7.1 million a year. Now, all of these men lead very good teams. All of them lead blue blue blood teams. All of them lead teams that have championships that date way back to before we were alive and still have winning legacies or at least decent legacies now. If you're going to be leaders of young black men, and you have nothing to say in a moment like this in which they're very likely hurting, in which they're very likely upset, in which they're very likely, even if they don't feel it, even if they're not aware of what's going on, somebody in their family is calling them concerned, saying, hey, you know, if you're in the back roads in Kentucky, please be careful. Please drop shit. If an officer stop you, please just keep your hands on the wheel. Talk slowly. Smile. Don't move. If he say to reach for something, say, okay, officer, I'm reaching for it now. They're getting those calls from concerned men and women in their families. This is one of those moments where silence speaks volumes. And I'm all for people saying, I don't have the range for this conversation. I'm all for People saying, I have not done the research. I have not done the reading in order to be properly prepped for this. But again, this is y'all are the highest paid state officials for a reason. And it shouldn't just be to win football and basketball games because there is more to life than that. Each and every player that they've ever coached has a life when they walk off that field, when they walk off that court, when they walk off whatever athletic arena they're leaving. So their silence, like like Coach Bowden said, it speaks volumes. The coach is an example, man. You're an example. Like those, some of them, like I said, they go to college without even knowing how to be a man. So Mm -hmm. like a lot of single moms raise their kids the best way they can, but at the end of the day, you still need that father figure. You still need somebody that say say the right things sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes at least. 
And for these high-paid college coaches to not say anything, it's just like, hey, you're not even supporting half the players or 75% of the players on your roster. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for me, it is it is literally a thing of, as I've said before, if you're a leader of men, you have to lead. The best coaches that I've ever had, they not only led me on the field. Just like you said, they were surrogate father figures. They did things in my life that changed me fundamentally as a man, not just as a player. All of my coaches in high school, all of my and some of my coaches in college, there are still I I haven't played in three, almost four years. I still can call out D'Antonio Burnett, head strength coach and assistant AD at NC State, Coach Wilcher, Coach Thomas Wilcher, uh Coach Parker. Coach Crowell, Coach Williams, Coach Greg. There are so many coaches. Coach B, Coach Claw. There are so many coaches that their job did not stop when that last whistle blew. That it didn't. It didn't stop in that moment. I've had coaches that hey, when that when that final horn blow for the final, that's it. That's all I got for you. But the best ones, the ones that had the most profound impact on my life, they have affected every area in my life because they weren't afraid to touch every area in my life. They weren't afraid to, to get in those intersections. And don't get me wrong, all of, my, all of mine have been black men, but at the same time, it's not impossible for a white man to do this. It's not impossible for a man who's not of color to say, I am here I am standing with you. I feel with you. I'm here. And granted, we we don't know if they're if they're actually not saying anything to the them individually. But I mean, for for being such icons that they are, I feel like being public will, will give a bigger message. Because you, as a as a player, if a coach tells me I'm standing with you, and they just tell it to me and a couple other people on the team, I don't really feel like you're standing with me because you're not saying nothing out there to get your point across. You get what I'm saying? So, I I just. Like, I, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a tough subject, bro. It's a tough subject. It, it for sure is. It for sure is. Josh, you want to hop in on this? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a possibility that these coaches are individually reaching out to their players to make sure they're okay and this and that, but it's just very unlikely that they've reached out to every single player present, past, that just left, that played there, that they had a good relationship with 15 years ago. It's, it's – um, like you said, if you're the highest paid public figure in your state, it's it's your responsibility to make sure that um that you say something, that your voice is heard. If it's the mayor's responsibility of a city to say something or a governor's responsibility of a state to say something, you're making more money than them, then maybe you should have a little bit more responsibility with the power that you've been given. Yeah. Yeah. I I I really and truly I really and truly feel for Coach Moten because Coach Moten coach he coaches at an HBCU and it's not as big time as some of these programs. And it was even disrespectfully so, and many people called out, referred to as Durham's other school by uh Riley News and Observer when they made the NCAA tournament. But he's he's absolutely right. And and the question that comes out of this, which we know the answer to, we know why it happens and how it happens, but as a man, because the, the students, the student athletes really don't, let me not say student athletes, let's be honest here. The athletes really don't have too much of a choice in can I make it to the league from any different school? Like it's different for basketball because uh, if you're a number one pick in basketball, Zion Williams, Zion Williams at Duke would have still been Zion Williamson at North Carolina Cleveland State, <laughs> Cleveland State, Southern, Alabama and them. He still would have been that, right? right. John Morant at Murray State would have still been John Morant at um, Howard, Hampton, Shaw. Wherever wherever John Morant went, he would have been John Morant. Like, that's just that. But in football, it's a little different because in football, you get the facilities and instructions for three entire years. Like, that's not – it's slightly different in just saying, like, hey, you're talented, so even with lesser facilities, even with lesser funded 
And I'm not saying that this is lesser in a in a way to like slight HBCUs. It's just the funding is not there. The endowments are not there. The alumni base with as as deep and as much money is not there. It's just not. So, you know, for football to tell he's got, hey, why aren't you going? It's tough. But the question still has to come up at some point. How, how, why would these coaches go about making it hard to play for them in this way? Because let's be honest, when's the last time Kentucky had three white players in the starting lineup? You know what I mean? Like, when's the last time that's happened? So, so you're not running the risk if you're Coach Cal, if, if you speak out, you're not running the risk of like, I'm going to alienate all the top recruits out of next year's class. You're not. You're not. Like, you're you're not. And then it's, it's just, it's really, it's really disheartening to me to see, like I said, these leaders of men choosing their brand over, you know, the, 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 over showing public solidarity with their players. And, and y'all have brought up a point that I have not considered, and maybe they are showing private solidarity. And I'm not setting the un, unrealistic expectation of reach out to every player you ever coach. That's a lot. That's not, right. nobody has the time, understandable. But just a small public show of support would speak volumes, would move mountains for some of these players. You know, I when I was a player, that it, it was that way for me. And to see them be silent in this moment, as Coach Moten said, you create generational wealth for yourself off the sweats of their off the sweat of their brows but you're nowhere to be found when they may be feeling their most hopeless or helpless i mean it it would and um it would be really groundbreaking and impactful for for one major uh college coach to come out and say something but at the same time like um it's not really any pressure on them to say anything. We don't live in a society to where people are pressured to say something. Um, if they don't speak out, if you see on Twitter, somebody be like, hey, well, why didn't you say this? Or why didn't you say that? But like a week later, that's ignored. I, I think a lot of these players just, they, they've, uh, a lot of these coaches have secured such a bed of comfort and the amount of money that they're making off of these players that they don't want to risk anything by making a public statement. Yeah. Yeah. And these universities have very, some of them have very public and national brands. And I, I get it. I get that it is complex and has layers to it, but this just feels like one of those moments. There are certain moments where the complexities fade away into what seems like common sense, into what seems like basic decency to say, because there are even entire universities in and of themselves speaking out on these things, both Texas and the University of Houston, uh, as well as others. So let me not just say them put out statements on um, the death of Greg Floyd. You know what I mean? Like there's, so there's, there's the big public brands that are putting out statements on it. And it's, for me, it's just, it's tough to see that it's just like, mm, well, you know, we're not really, mm, we're not trying to, mm, we don't want to ruin the brand. I don't know. I, and if if this ruins your brand, is there not a question to be had of why? Why would I want people supporting and upholding my brand that would have a problem with us or with me as a coach saying the officer's actions were reprehensible? They are unmistakably from a place of evil. And I hope that we can pray to whatever deity or, or God that we worship or take whatever time to, to reflect and, and wish upon whatever shooting star or do whatever you need to do according to your belief system to just garner some type of hope and maybe even put some material resources to supporting um causes that work to prevent things like this from ever happening again. That to me, if that's a controversial statement, if that's a statement that's going to lose you your biggest donor, maybe you don't need that donor. Maybe you don't need them. And on this note, 
we're going to end today's show. And we normally have a, a standard outro that we love to do because we love to have y'all back. But here on Facts Over Acts, we're three young black men. None of us little. None of us the type that, you know, we're, we've all played sports in our lifetime. So we all, we all look like we play sports in our lifetime. And so we would be remiss if we didn't end the show with a moment of silence for all of the victims recently, as well as historically, for all of the victims domestically and abroad of police brutality, state-sanctioned violence, and any type of race or hate-based violence towards any person or group of people. We just ask to end on a moment of silence.